0: We're going to start off with the question, and we have a lot of material to go through here tonight. I did split it into two, um, thought about splitting into three, but it just didn't seem to have a good break point for able to do that. So I'll try and talk fast, <laughs> or, y'all can listen fast. And there's one scripture that's missing in your outline, because we are in chapter 12, 13, 15, and 16, but... As we were looking at those who did not understand the will of God, three things, their knowledge was flawed, their maturity level couldn't handle it, or their faith wasn't ready. We saw last week there was a pattern. It's a pattern of ignorance followed by revelation that seemed to produce an inadequacy. And then came the renewal. And they would be renewed on the purpose that God had for them. There's a second level two. We're not really getting into that one at all here. We will, but we have more to look at on this this first one. But there's a question that came in last week, and I want to answer it here at the beginning, so that we can spend time looking at it in our example that we look at here today. Can revelation from man or the enemy follow the pattern you mentioned, or do only revelations from God follow the pattern? So my thought on this is that the pattern starts the same. Up to about the revelation level. Many in the word have received light from darkness or even other people, not from God. Jesus, when he was talking with his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And of course, when Peter answers the question, when he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said to them, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So there was ignorance, there was revelation that came. But when he said, who do men say that I am? The disciples answered and said, some say this, uh, some say Elijah, some say a prophet, some say, and they, they say what, the, what men say about him. So there was a void of understanding, there was a, uh, an ignorance, who is this man? And so they came up with explanations. Some say this, some say that. So there was the ignorance, but the revelation part, once once we hit that, this is where it differed. I don't know that they necessarily would see that. Because if a person says, well, I I really think this is Elijah, they would probably think that God told them that. If they say that this is just one of the prophets, they probably would feel that God told them that. This is just a man. This is a madman. They probably would feel that God had revealed that to them. But the next step would sort this out a lot more. Most feel that they are up to doing what comes from darkness. When something is revealed in an area that we're ignorant and it comes from the kingdom of darkness, we feel we're able to do it. I don't feel that it's a challenge to me. I feel I can do this. I'm up to this task. And um, I think it's designed that way. When darkness wants to fill that void, they don't want to give anything too challenging because they want you to yield to it and to obey it. Because there's something the darkness would glean from it. There's no need for faith to rise up. This would separate and show whether it was God or not God. Absalom, if you remember, had an area that he needed revelation. What shall we do now that we've taken Jerusalem? And Ahithophel came up and he gave them uh, something to do, and that actually was the best of, of the plans. And then Hushai came up and he offered counsel, but that counsel appealed to Absalom's flesh. No, no, you need to get all Israel together. And when you as king muster all the people and they see that you're king and you lead them out into battle. And so he appealed to his his pride. He felt like he was up to that. There was no big challenge to it. I think that's where we'll see a lot of the separation. And I go over that because I want us to see that as we go through this story. Now Abraham is not a stranger to us, but he's a man who struggled with the will of God. And so we can get a lot of detail so we're going through a lot of scriptures we're going through a lot of chapters here but we're not going I'm not combing through all the details we're just looking at this one aspect how is Abraham following the will of God where does the revelation where is the ignorance where are all those those steps here I was um, I was thinking about this uh, I don't remember a whole lot from high school maybe you do I didn't like high school I preferred to forget it much of it as I can. I just prefer to forget it. I just didn't like it. But there was one incident that happened in high school that I still remember to this day very, very vividly and very, very well. And that's uh, an example that a teacher we had was trying to do. And she had a, uh, uh, a premise that if you are giving, given 10 numbers randomly, 10 random numbers, that the longer you have to write them down, the less you will remember. And that she didn't, she didn't speak that premise up front, she uh, had that premise, and so she picked about five or six of us in the group, in the class, and I was one of the ones that she picked. And so she said, she said uh, 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 I'm going to give you a bunch of numbers, and I want, first one, I want you to write it down as soon as I finish the list. The next one, I want you to write it down after 30 seconds. The next one after a minute. And I think by the time they got to me, I was either three or four minutes after the, uh, the list had been read. I can't write anything down until then. I have to wait in, until that part. So we get to the first one. And the first one, if I remember right, I think they wrote down about four numbers out of the ten. And then the next one, I think it was, it was three. And it got less and less all the way on down. I think the one before me barely got one. And then they told, asked me to write mine down. They said, all right, now you go. And I wrote down about seven or eight. And it totally messed up the teacher, and the whole thing that she was trying to do. <laughs> it, it, um, I was not the smartest student in the class. I was nowhere near the best student in the class. But the one thing I had learned uh, early on is if you want to remember something, look for the pattern. And so, whenever I'm given a bunch of numbers, whenever I was given anything, I always looked for a pattern between it. And so, I had just non—this is what I, I did. And so, when they gave me the numbers that were there, I didn't try to remember all the numbers. I tried to see a pattern between some of them. And once I saw the pattern between some, I could remember them. In fact, I even told them, "I said, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll still be able to tell you those same numbers." And it won't be because I saw the pattern. Once I could see the pattern, then I could remember. And that's uh something I have realized a long long time ago but even to this day you'll notice that whenever I'm teaching something from the Word I'm always looking at the patterns and things I always try and find patterns what is the pattern what is going on and we do that here and this we're looking for the pattern so now we're going on through this I look for the pattern the pattern helps us to remember the pattern helps us to see a flow if you can see a flow it's a whole lot easier to remember and to understand what's going on if you can't see the flow but just see it as random numbers you'll have a hard time remembering and seeing what's going on. There's a pattern here, the same pattern we showed you last week on a very successful endeavor. You're going to see here in a very unsuccessful one. And I want you to see the same pattern. Now we're going to dip back into Genesis chapter 11. I didn't tell Daryl, I meant to tell Daryl to pull this one up, but I didn't tell him that he had enough to pull up as it was. I'm just going to read this to you. This is just the the verses before 12 because they are kind of important. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, Haran, Haran begot Lot, verse 28. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no children. And Terah took his son Abram, and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. And then verse 1 of chapter 12, Now the Lord had Had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. He was not seventy-five when he departed from Ur. This shows us that one of two things happened. Either the word came to Abram's father first or Abram was more noncompliant than we thought. We always think about Abram as leaving with his lot, his his nephew Lot, but he left with his father and a whole bunch of the, the people. So when God said leave your family, he took most of them with him. Or, the word came to his father, and his father died in Haran, and he picked up that word from there. Don't know exactly, but you notice that in verse 12, verse 1, it said, the Lord had said. God didn't say it to him in Haran, he said it to him in Ur. But he's now departing from Haran. Because they had left Ur, they got as far as there, and from what we can guess or surmise, his father took ill. And so they stayed there in Haran waiting for him to get well. It appears that he did not get well and he died there. The rest of the family stays there because when the descendants of Abraham go and they find wives, they go back to Haran because that's where their family is because all the family left earth. <laughs> they weren't supposed to. Abraham was, Abram was supposed to leave there. But this is the word that God gave him. So he was ignorant as to what God wanted him to do, I guess you could say. And then God gave him a word. And here was the word. Get out of your country. Did he do that? He did. He got out of his country. His country was Ur. From your family and from your father's house. Did he do that? Not at all. To a land that I will show you. Now here in in the previous one it said to go to the land of Canaan. That may have been written after the fact. They probably didn't know where they were going to. They just know that God was leading them. It ended up being Canaan, and they may have just written that in there. To a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So this is the revelation to Abram that was out of his ignorance. God gave him a revelation. God gave him a plan. This is the will of God for Abram. This is not the will of God for Lot. This is not the will of God for anyone else. This is the will of God for Abram. Now, taking Lot with him from Haran, it could have been something to do with inadequacy because he may have felt there was safety in numbers. He may have felt that it was better to have him along. Whatever it was, he did not obey the word that God had given him. This was the, uh, there was the ignorance, there was the revelation, there was some kind of inadequacy possible that he brought Lot. If not, we're going to see something here. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites then were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. I don't know that he knew that this was the land until he got there. Remember the Lord said, To a land that I will show you. So he may not have known where it was. He made God just say, All right, now go this way. Keep going south, keep going east, keep going whatever direction it was. And then when he gets there, Hey, Abr- Abram, this is the land. I'm showing you right now, this is the spot. But he still got all this extra stuff. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now, once he gets to the land and God stops him at the first spot and says, this is the land. Well, then he moves. He's still in the land, but he moves. And then once he gets there, he moves again. And then he goes down to the land of Egypt. It would seem that every place that he was moving to, there was famine in the land. He was not finding what he needed for all the things that he brought along. Now, God didn't tell him not to bring all his cattle and all his sheep and all his whatever he's got, and he's got to find places for them to to graze. There is famine in the land. The revelation from God, go to the land that I will show you. He gets to the land, but now he feels inadequate. So if he didn't feel inadequate, bringing Lot along, it seems that he feels inadequate here because I need certain things. It's not here. So I have to do something. I'm going to go down to Egypt. And so he goes down to Egypt. Now, since this came to him, not from God. God did not tell Abram, go on down to Egypt. There's nowhere in the passage that it said, go on down to Egypt. God told him, God's word to him was, go to a land that I will show you. When he gets there, God shows up again and says, this is the land. This is it right here. I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you. But he doesn't find what he wants there. He doesn't find the the stuff that he needs. So he sees the famine. And so he goes down south. That's his own idea. It could have come up on the inside. The enemy does not want Abraham to be successful because he knows that the word that is coming to him is powerful and that God is going to use Abraham greatly. we got to get rid of this guy. And so once we have that inadequacy, either you're going to let God come in and renew you on it, or... You're going to be open to something else coming on in. Hey, you don't have to stay here. Maybe you just got here too soon. Boy, you're up all that time over there in Haran waiting around because you brought extra people along. <laughs> Wouldn't seem like you got here too, too late, but he receives that. That doesn't challenge his faith. Whatever God speaks something to you, there is going to be some kind of a faith challenge. But this one doesn't do it. This one, there's no real faith challenge to it. Going down to Egypt. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a, be- a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, what will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please, say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abraham came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, and that she was very beautiful. The prince of the Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Now, as he's coming on down to Egypt, there is a bit of an ignorance there. He's wondering how will they treat me in Egypt. Revelation came to him: they will kill you for your wife. That's the revelation he got. He's, his inquiry. He's wondering. I don't know about this. What will they? What will they? What will they do? Because my wife is so beautiful. Well, they will kill you for your wife. Then he feels inadequate. Who am I to stand up to them? Then he gets an idea here. It's not a renewal, it's just a plan is hatched to deceive in order to keep Abraham alive. Either you are good enough as you are or deceive and hide your inadequacies. This is generally what you're going to see when revelation comes or something is spoken from darkness or from men compared to what is from God. Either you are good enough as you are. You don't need to get any better. Your faith is just fine or deceive and hide your inadequacies. But either way, it's not God. Now, it happens as he thought it would. You could think, ah, this is confirmation. I knew God was speaking to me. God was warning me. God was telling me. And then good things begin to happen to him because of the deception. Oh, God must be in this. (laughs) But we know better, don't we? Because we know the whole story. Now, I wrote this in your outline. You don't have a whole lot of blanks here tonight, but you got this one. The renewal is not man's plan, but the di- diversion out of the will of God. So what is filled in here, in this uh, part of the pattern for renewal, it's not man's plan, but the diversion out of the will of God. And I'm sorry, it's not God's plan, but the diversion out of the will of God. Instead of challenging your faith and trust in God, it challenges your need to obey what you understand God wants. When you get on the wrong path, and darkness or man's ways have fed what should have been a renewal from God. Instead of challenging your faith and trust in God, it challenges your need to obey what you understand God wants. And this is what happened with Abram. You'll see this with a with a lot of people in in situations. We can get into a difficult situation. And well, if I Compromise what God has told me to do here, and follow this way. It can work. And as we start to go that way, things may go well, and there may be some. Oh, I'm am saving some money doing this. Things are going good. I'm getting people uh, bless me. Uh, look at all. Look at God's hand that has been in this. No, God's hand's not in it. Any more than it is with Abraham. Abraham's getting blessed here. He's getting some uh, livestock. He may even be getting some servants. This could be where they pick up Hagar. and we all know what happens with that. So faith and trust in God. This is what the renewal should challenge. Instead, what comes from the kingdom of darkness or what will come from people is something that challenges your need to obey what you understand God wants. Remember in the garden? Has God really said? Do you really need to obey what God said over here? I mean, is there some wiggle room? I mean, you got a famine in the land. Surely God didn't expect you to stay in the land when there's a famine. Look at all the things he's blessed you with. You go on down to Egypt, you take care of all those blessings that he's given you, and then you come on back. And then while he's there, the devil leads him into something that nearly could have killed him, could have put him in a bad situation. That was not the way of God to go. So we can see that pattern following as well. Just know, when you have an ignorance, when you have something that you are not aware of, when you don't know something, you got to make sure that you hear what God has to say. Always compare it to the Word. God will never lead you apart from his written word or apart from what he spoke to you about your life. got to listen to that. God spoke to him about his life. God didn't shortchange him any of the words. Look, I'm going to take you to a land. I'm going to make these things of you. There was nothing in there about going anyplace else. He should have just held on to it. When he had that thought, you need to get out of here. There's famine. He should have said, This is what the Lord said, and he should have stayed with it. And then God would have spoken something to him to renew him on this. He would have been okay, but he didn't do it. Once we get out of line with the word that we were given, our only focus should be to get back in line with it. Everything's got to be focused. i got to get back in line with what God said. Now, if you try and do that, if God has spoken something to you, and you are trying to get back in line, you got off of it, but you're trying to get back in line with it, there will be lots of voices that will tell you, you're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. You went too far. It's not, it's not coming. You got too far out in Egypt. <laughs> no. Once we got out of line with the word, we were given. Our only focus should be to get back in line with it. Now, Abram here does not get back in line with the word that God gave him. The Egyptians Egyptians push him to. They kick him out of the land. If they hadn't kicked him out of the land, he'd probably still be there. But they kick him out. We don't want you around here. You're going to be pulling stuff like that. Uh Uh-uh. Get out of the land. And he tells the men, make sure he gets out. Get him out of here. We don't need that. And so he has to go back. Well, where are you going to go? Well, I guess we go back to where God said. And so he goes back up to where God had said to be. Once you get out of line with the word that you were given, our only focus is to get back in line with it. You are well able to do what God has said you can do. But the enemy is always going to try and make you feel inadequate to it, that you can't get there. But God has a renewal. He has something that He will speak to you. We've got more. I've got so many examples in this to take you through. I don't know how many of them are, I'm actually going to go, go through, but um, uh, more than this one. Because I want you to see this pattern repeats. If the pattern continually repeats, it's going to repeat for us. Be watching for it. Now no other word is spoken to Abram from God when he is walking disobediently to the word he has. We don't have any word that came to him in Egypt. God didn't send word down to him. Abraham, leave the land of Egypt. Go to a land that I will show you. He doesn't say anything like that. Go back to where you were. He doesn't say that. Abraham feels inadequate to live up to the word, to stay in the land. He does not even try to be renewed by God in understanding or supply. He is challenged not to trust what God said and let him into, but to not obey what he knows God said to do. He's not challenged to trust. He's challenged to come up with a way that is against what God said. That same pattern will follow us. It's a whole lot easier for us to see other Christians following this pattern and going after a way that challenges them in their obedience to God, instead of challenging them in their faith in God. Verse 1 of chapter 13, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Hmm to the place of the altar which he had made there first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them. Well, remember, the place had just been in a famine. They've got a lot of stuff. They probably need to spread it up so that the land that's in famine can support what they have. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Well, that's because each one was looking out for the good of their livestock. I got these sheep. I got to make sure that these sheep prosper and have lots of stuff that they need. I don't care about your sheep. I got to take care of these sheep. And so they're all looking out for For that, they're they're being good shepherds of their flock, but it's causing a strife between them. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Is he looking for revelation from God? Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom, But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So Lot leaves Abram. So Abram is finally compliant to the first word he received from God. He's in the land that God had shown him. He's at the place where God appeared to him. And he's there by himself with no other family members. They've all been dismissed. Lot is the last one. Now, again, Abraham didn't do this because he was super obedient. He did it because he was forced out of the land of Egypt and because they couldn't exist together. Verse 14, And the Lord said to Abram, After Lot had separated from him. It's not an accident, that's in Scripture. He is now finally compliant with the word. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Now, there's two new things that he will reveal here. This is the first one. I give to you and your descendants forever. This is the time when he's promising. I'm not just taking you to the land. I am giving you this land and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. He said he would make a great nation, or he would bless the nations, and he would make a great nation out of him. But now he's telling them, your descendants are going to be as the dust of the earth. So this is more detail on what he had. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Menomri, which are in Hebron, and, he, and built an altar there to the Lord. So, these two things are now revealed to Abram. God had not spoken to him in any kind of detail until Lot left, and then he suddenly is getting more detail on this. Verse 1 of chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said to Said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. No, no, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heaven. Count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, "You shall, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. We're still doing on the, the same two things. God's word has basically been on two things. One, I will make you. And two, I will give you. I will give you the land and I will make you a blessing to all people. I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you that your descendants are as the dust of the earth. Two things that God has said in his word to him, and the words that come after that are just giving more detail on it. I will give you, and I will make you. Two things is what he has. And he's having a hard time with two things. So God's trying to give him a visual. I want you, instead of seeing all the problems that are going on, instead of seeing your lack of descendants, instead of seeing your lack of children, when you come out here at night, I want you to look up and I want you to see the stars. And I want you to, rem- to remember those stars remind me that that's how my descendants are going to look. When you see the sand, when you see the dust of the earth in the daytime, that's going to remind you, this is how my descendants are going to be. So God gave him a way to look at this, whether it's daytime or whether it's nighttime. He's got a way to look at this. But he says to, a, he says to God, look, you have given me no offspring. He's blaming this on God. What will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is, is someone that's, that's not mine, basically is what he's saying. And he's blaming God for it. I've obeyed you. Now, we may be saying, but God, I obeyed you. And God's saying, I don't think so. Not quite. You, you went down to Egypt. You brought Lot with you. You went out with your, your father and the whole household. You came to the land, you left it. There's a whole lot of things where he's not doing it. He comes, he's finally in line with it. And as Lot leaves, and God comes and speaks to him again. Chapter 15 says, after these things, we don't know how much time passed. It may have been a week. It may have been a month. We don't know how long it had been. Doesn't sound like it's been all that long. But while he's there, he's been having some thoughts. Hmm. God's bringing me out here. He's saying he's going to do all these things, but I still got no kids. And I'm getting older and so is Sarah. We're not getting younger. We're getting older. And so God doesn't really speak anything new to him, but he does speak more detail on these things. Now, if God speaks the same thing to you over and over again, what might that say? You're not quite getting it. you got, you got more to, to understand this. When, Abr- when Abram was completely out of line, God said nothing and waited for Abram to get back in line with what he knew. You may be completely or partially out of line with what God said. Get in line with it. It's just like, we'll just use this as, a, as an example. If you said, God, I want to do something for my body to make, I want to lose weight, I want to get more energy, whatever it is, I don't know how to do it. God, how can I do it? And God gives you revelation on what you should do. And thou shalt eat nothing more than, and he speaks to you what kind of things you should eat. And so you have that word that God has spoken to you. Now some people, they go out and they take that word that God spoke to them and they preach it to everybody else. That's not God's word for everybody else. That's God's word for you. This is what you need to do. Don't get preachy on other people because a lot of times what we do is we look at them, well, you're not lining up and if you're not lining up, then I can be excused for not lining up myself. No, God gave you a word. Now you need to fall in line with it. And that's what we need to do. Whatever the word is, I need to get myself in line with it. Now, perhaps it is Abram thinks he's in line with this word, but God knows better. And so he speaks some things to Abram about what he has said. And it brings out something in Abram. How can you say that about me? I don't have any descendants, I don't have any children. You haven't given me any. Blames it on him. So all these words are going around in his head. He's thinking these words. It may even be that he and Sarai are speaking these words to each other. We don't know. We're not given those, uh, those details. But we at least know that he's thinking them. Because as soon as God says this to him, this is what he comes out with. I don't know about you, but if God shows up and he starts speaking to me, I don't think I'm yelling at him. That may just be me, but I don't think I'm yelling at him for what he hasn't done. But until these things are exposed or brought to our attention, they probably remain unchanged and will continue to keep you from the promise of God. So if you've been asking God because you are ignorant on something, you need wisdom on a thing, and God has spoken something to you, you've got to get yourself completely in line with it. Your mind will say, that's not adequate. Your mind will say, I don't know if I can do it. Somewhere there's going to be an inadequ- adequacy. There are times in the Word of God where it has been, whatever the Word was, it has been shown that that Word is inadequate for our situation. Then Israel many times think that the Word that God spoke was inadequate for their situation. That inadequacy will come out. But don't do it. Don't think that. Boy, if, I don't know how many of them we'll get to in the New Testament, but there's a whole bunch of people in the New Testament that were given a word of wisdom for their situation and they thought that word was inadequate. A really real easy one is Naaman. He's not in the New Testament, but he's spoken about in the New Testament. He was given something to do. What's the difference that going to make? How in the world is that going to change anything? And we think that it's inadequate or that we're, below, we're above that sort of thing. Now, here's a blank for you. It is easier to doubt what I know than what I don't know. If you don't know something, you can't doubt it. Isn't that right? I mean, if I don't know, then I can't add my doubts to it because I don't know it. There's a lot of times that the plan of God cannot be revealed to you because you will doubt it. If you are doubting the level that you know now, how can God show you more? You're just going to doubt it. We're trying to get past the doubt at this level and you want me to speak to you about this level over here. Let's get yourself in line where you're not doubting this level. Let's get you in line where you're not doubting that I will give you this land and that I will make you a father of many nations. Let's get that going before we start talking about all the other things that we're going to do with Abraham. It's easier to doubt what I know than what I don't know. But there's also some things that I don't know that it lends itself to thinking, well, God doesn't know me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't have a plan for me. Or I've messed up. And what God wanted for me, I've walked away from. Or I've, I've made it so that it's not possible. These kind of thoughts will come in. You've got to deal with what's in front of you. This is the thing you've got to... If you're going to understand the will of God, then I've got to take the will of God He has given me and walk in the understanding of what He has given me. Because until I do that, it's hard for God to give me more because if I'm doubting this, I'm going to doubt this. So take what He has given you. Father God, this is what you spoke to me about. This is what you said, and I am going to believe. I am going to go... I am going to trust. See, we're not doing well in this at all. <laughs> it's already colder quarter after. <laughs> when Abraham was completely out of line, God said nothing, again, waiting for, for him to get in line. Just because you're not hearing from God doesn't mean that God doesn't care, God doesn't know where you are. He knows exactly where you are, Get in line. Come on. Get in line. Do it. Get him, Get where you need to be. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer and three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these to him and they cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcass, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Now here we're going to see that God's going to give some more revelation. And he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark and behold there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Canaanites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, Re- the Retham, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now, God is renewing him on the revealed will of God. First, I will make you, and second, I will give you. He's renewing him on this, but now he's just giving him a whole lot more detail. Look, stop giving into this thought that I don't care about you, and I don't know what's coming up. Stop thinking that you that I keep getting surprised by the stuff that's happening or that I'm surprised by the fact that you don't have a baby yet. I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing into the future, and this is not going to happen for 400 years. They're going to serve another nation for 400 years, but after that, the fourth generation, I'm going to bring them back here to this land. And he tells them what's going to happen with, with their future. What he is reassuring them is, I see what's coming. I see more than you do. Now, trust me on it. I will give you this land. I will make you a father of many nations. I will make you a blessing to all nations. Verse uh, chapter 16. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in my, to my maid. Perhaps I shall attain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Now, this is flawed knowledge leads to a wrong understanding, conclusion, and course of action. There's so many problems with this, right? Uh, look at what she says. She had born him no children. That's the fact. That's where we're at. So Sarai says to Abraham, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Where did she get that idea? Did she get it from God? No. So she sees a problem. She doesn't she's ignorant of this. She's unknowing about this. Why do I have no kids? And so revelation comes to her. It's not from God. Revelation comes, God has restrained you. All right, let's take that back down to the word of God. What was the word, God said, "I will bless you is that a blessing? well, then that can't be what's going on here? All you got to do is take it and compare it to what God has said, but they don't do that. She takes that, and she begins to think about that well yeah God has a uh, he's kind of restrained me from bearing children uh, but you know what you've got this maid over here, and uh Abraham and her they could have a baby together and uh, and we can get to the Lord's thing that way. So, this is what we're supposed to believe. That God wants to bless you and make you a uh, nation. Um, many nations will come from you. But apparently He's not going to give you any kids for it. So, you've got to come up with your own way to get kids so that God can bless you. So, uh, why don't you do this way here? And, um, yeah, you know, it may not be completely kosher, but we can we can do this. I mean, she's an Egyptian. She's She's not one of, the, of the, the family of Abraham. Don't know how heathenistic she is. Maybe she has uh, gotten born again. Sure, seems like she has some things to go with God when God appears to her. But we have flawed knowledge. Because I had an ignorance and revelation came into me and I have a flawed knowledge. It leads to a wrong understanding, conclusion, and action for which they pay for that action for a long, long, long time. And we're still paying for it. There's still conflict between those, those offspring. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. Well, that's a long time to be in the land of Canaan and God still has not come through on his end. God told me to come here. God told me to be here. God told me he would do this ten years. We haven't had this going on. It must be God's problem. Obviously, we're doing what we're supposed to do. So he went into Hagar. She conceived, conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. She's thinking, I have babies. You don't. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid unto you and your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and you. Now, this is just a little note on this, but the weaker person in faith often looks to blame the one stronger, even though it was their fault. There are some examples on this, and I'm just going to read off a couple of them here. You can go through the Word of God and find some more on your own. Saul blames Samuel, and later Saul blames David. The Israelites blame Moses, and sometimes Moses and Aaron. Elijah blamed God. Judah and Israel blamed the prophets. They came and they spoke the words that God had given them. They blamed them, not their own disobedience. The disciples blamed Jesus in the boat. (laughs) The Pharisees blamed Jesus for most everything. In the book of Acts, the leaders blamed Jesus' teachings for a source of all their problems, and then the disciples for following those teachings. It seems like the person who is weaker in faith finds someone stronger to blame for all their problems. And and she's doing this right here. Now, both had doubts and likely spoke those doubts, but Sarai turned it into a conclusion and then an action to get what they wanted. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. In other words, leave me out of this, woman. <laughs> and when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now, she flees. She's uh, thinking she's going to die. God comes and He ministers to her. We'll, uh, we'll skip by some of that stuff. Uh, you can read that on your, on your own if you want to. <clears throat> Verse 15, So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Thirteen years after Ishmael was born until the next word from God... It was a little more detail on I will make and I will give. Now, in the midst of not knowing the will of God, there is a void and we look for something to fill it. When we're looking to know what the will of God is, God, how do I overcome this in my life? God, how do I pursue this in my life? God, how do I do this? Where do I come about? What am I supposed to do here? What's my purpose? Where's my goal? We try and find... The will of God, we're ignorant of it. I don't know something about the will of God. In the midst of not knowing the will of God, there is this void. So we look for something to fill it. The more I talk about my lack, the more problems though that I had. Now, urgency, worry, fear, anxiety, all help put me on a path to receive revelation from some place other than God. Urgency, worry, fear, anxiety, they all help me put me on a path to receive revelation, not from God. The more I talk about my lack, the more anxious I can become. This is what Abraham, this is what Sarai are doing. They're talking, we don't have any kids. You know, we can't get the promise of God if we don't have any kids. We've got to find a way to get a kid. We've got to find a way to have a, a baby. What are we supposed to do? God hasn't helped us out here. God hasn't come through. I'm still not able to have a baby. And they're going back and forth. They're talking about these things. Uh, even if Abraham didn't want to, it seems that his wife sure wants to. And she's the one who's got the ideas. Well, let's do it this way. i got a great idea. I think this is how we're going to get the, the things from God. I think this is a God idea. I think He came and inspired me that you're supposed to go and have my my... Handmade and have a baby with her. Because she feels this urgency. We've got to do this. We've got to do this thing now. Uh, She's worried. She's fearful. She's got anxiety. All this kind of stuff. When we get into this atmosphere, it leaves me open to hear things that are not from God. And I'm so desperate to hear that as soon as it comes, I latch onto it. And we all look at Sarah and we say, oh, I can't believe that she bought this. Oh, I can't believe that Abraham bought this. I can't believe that they went this way. You keep feeding them this kind of stuff, it's going to take you in that direction. So the enemy seized on this and led Abraham in a wrong direction. An atmosphere of trust, faith, love, and rest is what is needed to hear what God is saying or what we need. We need an atmosphere of trust. We need an atmosphere of faith. We need an atmosphere of love. We need an atmosphere of rest. And this is why when God speaks His words, His words of renewal, His words of revelation, it is going to be something that is going to push us more into trust, into faith, into love, and into rest. What the enemy is going to try and push us into is into fear, anxiety, worry. This is why you see so many exhortations in the Word of God. Do not fear. Do not worry. Be anxious for nothing. Trust in me. Have the faith of God. Walk in love. Enter into your rest. This is why these exhortations are there. Because in that atmosphere, I will more than likely hear and receive what God is speaking about my ignorance on a situation in the will of God. There are more reasons why the enemy these are just more reasons why the enemy is so motivated to keep us in the areas of fear, worry, anxiety. And why God continually exhorts us into the areas of trust, faith, love, and rest. Now Abraham has not moved over to the second pattern yet that we showed you last week. We're still dealing with this first pattern. We have not, we will get into the second pattern, but we are not there. We are only in this first pattern. We have not even gotten to the point where God can accomplish all that He has said He wants to accomplish. But now we've got that flesh child. So after all these years, we're still at the first spot. We haven't advanced past it, but we are going to. And we're going to get advanced past it. When there is an area where I am ignorant, revelation will come. That revelation will produce an inadequacy. That inadequacy will get me to look to God and God will send His renewal. And He will speak words to me. He could speak them from the Bible as you're reading. He can speak them through other believers. He can speak them through His Spirit to your spirit. He can speak them in all kinds of ways. When you hear them, those words, when they come from God, will push you in a direction. Will challenge you in the area of faith, they will challenge you in the area of trust. They're not easy, but they will push you in these areas and they will challenge you in these areas. When it comes from darkness, when it comes from men, it will instead challenge your obedience, not your trust. It will challenge you to do you really need to obey God here? Maybe the reason that you're having this problem is because you're obeying God, because you're staying, you're just too much of a stickler for the Word. You need to just relax a little bit. That's Old Testament. You're in the New Testament. You need to, you need to live in the New Testament. All kinds of things will come to you. You know, that's under the law. We're not under that law anymore. You can go out there. God has shown you that you can do this. Well, you need to get involved in some of those things because if you're not, able to do some of the things of the world, how are you going to relate to the people in the world and win them over for God? You know, there's all kinds of things that we do. Things that come from darkness and the things that come from other people and are not from God constantly challenge your obedience to the Word. Get you to see, you don't really need to obey the way that you have. Or you have been so obedient to God, He's just so impressed with you. It Appeals to your pride, and when you are given something to do, you feel like, "Oh, that's I—I am all that. I can do that one." But how many people can you think in the Word of God who felt like they were all that? I can do this and that. You know, from the story in the in the Bible, God was not behind it. But I feel like I'm all that. I can do this thing. I am up to the task. Do you remember when Moses had the Levites? Came to him and said, uh, "You put too much on yourself." And they felt like they were all that. All right, you guys go out there and you get your own censers and you get your own fire and you present it before the Lord. Well, we're going to do that. We can do it. And they felt like they were up to it, and uh, they were not. And this is one of the ways that you will see the difference between the things that come from darkness, things that come from men and the things that come from God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you help us to understand what comes from darkness and what comes from light. Once we understand the pattern, once we understand the difference, it won't be hard for us to see. I may not like it. We may not like the way that the word that comes from God challenges us. We may feel like I'm not up to it. I'm not worthy of this calling. There's no way that I can do it. I'm just so inadequate for all these things. But Father, you speak renewal to us. Time and time again we see in the word of God and when people felt like they were inadequate for the call that was in front of them, you spoke words to renew them on the purpose he did it with Moses. He did it with David. He did it to some who didn't receive those words and wandered off. But we can learn from the failures and the successes in the Word of God. And Just as Abraham was having a hard time receiving all the renewal that he needed when you spoke those words to him, and it held him back from walking in the promise of God sooner, we could be doing the exact same thing. Many times we follow his pattern and we blame God for not doing things he said he would do, for not helping us when we needed it. But your view is very different. You see that we are just following a pattern that's going to keep us right where we are. You came to Abraham and you said some things to him. Sometimes it stirred up all that doubt that was inside so that he spoke it out right to you and you could deal with it. Help us, Father, if we have those things going on in our life, that we just get to a place where we give voice to it and we can hear it. Wow, I hear what that sounds like now. Yeah, we need to fix that and be able to fix it just like you did with Abraham. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now all is not lost. We're going to see how God gets him out of this pattern. He's stuck in this pattern. He's not getting out of it. We're going to see what God does to get him out of this pattern. And we're going to see the same pattern in some others as well.